1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And Chris, we are less than a week away from the 2023 NFL Draft. I cannot wait. I am excited. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well.
0: Just think, one week from now, we'll be uh, probably somewhere in the late
1: fourth or fifth round of the draft. Late fourth or fifth round of the draft, and we will be really, really deep because the Giants have seven picks in this year's draft, which is quite a lot. Just on day three, by the way, 10 picks in total. Let's get into this front seven, because I think, Chris, that the New York Giants could possibly. I'm I'm not saying it's 100 percent, but I think they could possibly entertain a front seven option at pick 25. It's not a novel take by any means, but right now the Giants need to do something about their cap space situation. Leonard Williams is making $32 million. I think the the most logical course of action, as Shane has spoke about at the press conference, he's in good discussions with dexter lawrence and his representatives is to extend dexter lawrence and backload that contract to create cap space because right now they only have 2.2 million but i don't know how long Leonard williams is going to be here and we know how important a defensive line rotation is and there could be some value at pick 25 for the new york giants at the defensive line spot and just the front seven spot gotta pressure the quarterback gotta stop the run those are very important so pick 25 look i think it could be corner it could be Wide receiver, but it also could be a front seven player.
0: Yeah, I think all of those positions should be in consideration for the Giants. Yeah, I am, I have become a pretty big proponent of using that first round draft pick on a either foundational or cornerstone piece. Now, the way I look at positional value, quarterback is your foundation. And then you've got the positions that either directly help or directly disrupt the quarterback as your cornerstones. So that's offensive tackle, wide receiver, pass rusher, and cornerback. So right now the Giants are hopefully set for the foreseeable future at offensive tackle. So that pretty much leaves wide receiver, pass rusher, and cornerback. And silver lining to the state of the Giants roster, they almost can't help but find an upgrade there.
1: And let's get into some of these possible options at defensive line, at linebacker. We'll go over some cornerbacks a little bit later. Let's focus first on the front seven. I want to start with Pitt interior defensive lineman. I guess you can call him maybe a defensive end in certain situations. Kalijah Cancy. My thing about Kalijah Cancy, I love this player's ability to defeat blockers in a phone booth. As I've said several times Throughout this draft process, I think in a Wink Martindale coached defense where you have seven, eight guys on the line of scrimmage, where you're going to get one-on-one blocks, where you could create free rushers, but when you just need defenders to win their one-on-one situations, Kalijah Cancy is excellent in that area. My concerns with Cancy is he has sub 31-inch arms, which is a lot shorter than, say, Aaron Donald, who he's comp to a lot. I don't really think they're similar players. I think Aaron Donald is much stronger than Kalijah Cancy. but I'm a little bit concerned about Cancy on early downs. I don't know if he's going to fit into the Giants base personnel package. So if you spend the 25th pick on this player, he's more than likely going to have a specific role as a designated pass rusher. But in my opinion, I think that is valuable enough on money downs where you're looking, like I said, to, get after the quarterback, to get pressure. Kalijah Kansi is one of the best in this draft class at doing so. It's just, is it too rich in your opinion, Chris, to select a player like that at 25 who is not going to have a three-down role in your defense?
0: Well, I, I do think Wink Martindale could incorporate Kansi into the defensive line rotation for a majority of the downs. I don't know if that's two thirds, three quarters, whatever. You know, okay, maybe you don't have him on the field for short yardage situations, but that's what guys like Nacho and DJ Davidson are for. Kalajakansi is to me kind of like an OCU Manura type player. Yes, he is a one trick pony, but that is one hell of a trick. And it is very, very valuable because you have NFL teams passing the ball more and more. And you really need to be able to disrupt the quarterback in order to defeat a modern NFL offense. They're just so good at picking up yardage, creating opportunities for explosive plays that you have to stop the play before it gets going. And having an interior lineman who can create pressure, who can win those one-on-one matchups and take the shortest path to the quarterback is certainly value, valuable enough to spend a first-round pick on.
1: I'm right there with you. I think it is valuable enough. I don't think it's as slam dunk as maybe others do, just because I do think there's going to be concerns. I don't know if you're going to want them out there on first and 10 in your base personnel package if you can't handle double teams. But you, the, the game is predicated on third down. Like Those are your money downs. That's why they're called money downs. That's why edge rushers get paid so much. That's why offensive tackles get paid so much to protect their quarterbacks. And if you have that interior pressure, which is – such a valuable trait, such a valuable asset to a defense, immediate pressure. I think a guy like Hansi provides that for your defense. And even if he's not out there on first down, I think the 25th pick, you will find a role and he will have a floor for you. I still think that ceiling's high, but he's going to have a floor that is incredibly valuable for your defense. And I think that's going to be something that at pick 25 can be justified in this defense for Wink Martindale. I don't even know if he'll be available though. At pick twenty-five, because his skill set, his hands, his quickness, his ability to make the or offensive tackles and offensive guards miss in a phone booth is such a valuable trait. But Brian Bressy, the Clemson interior defensive lineman, now he's a player who might fall to pick twenty-five. Very highly recruited, was the number one overall recruit in his recruiting cycle. Ended up having a great freshman season at Clemson. Then he tore his ACL in his sophomore year. He had a kidney infection. He also had a lot of uh, off the field type of issues, not in terms of his character, but his uh, younger sister passed away from cancer. So he, he never really got to really build on that freshman year that was so impressive and live up to the potential that he had coming out of Damascus High School in Maryland. But when you look at his size, when you look at the flashes that he's had on tape, and we even saw it as recently as the UNC game in 2023 or 2022, I'm sorry you can understand why a team would buy into him, but it's just not consistent. And I think he's the type of body type and the type of player that fits very well to this defense with his athletic ability. So what are your overall thoughts on Bressy?
0: When he is on the field, Bressy is an incredibly impressive player. Like he's, he's got the body where you could line him up all over a three man front. You can, you can play him at nose if you needed to you can play him at five technique if you needed to if you're playing a four-man front you can line him up line him up at four eye or three tech like he can do any interior role you want because he's got got good size got good length he has good power he could two gap in a tight front but he also has the the speed the quickness the agility to one gap and disrupt in the backfield but like you said it's just the consistency there there just is not that much tape on him and that could give teams pause like for a lot of what happened to him this past year you cannot fault him Yeah, you know it's it, you have to I, grain on a curve for him at least a little bit just to account for the fact that it, it is not his fault that he went through a personal tragedy and I don't think you could count a liver or a, what it, liver infection, kidney infection as being injury prone. Like just, that, that, ha- that happens. But when he is on the field, he is really impressive. I, I don't think he is as far behind uh, Jalen Carter as a lot of, as some big boards would suggest.
1: Well, that's one of your hottest takes right there, Chris. I, I do like it. Uh, I don't know if I'm quite there with Bressey, just basically off a consistency thing. But if you watched his highlight reel, then you would probably get there, right? Like if you turn on that UNC game, if you go back to his freshman tape, you can see it. But now, Chris, say you can't trade back and we're at pick 25 and it's between Bressy and Cansey. Which direction would you go?
0: I would probably go with Bressy although I think I would want to light a candle as I did that, just because, again, <laughs> the consistency issues are, they're real. But as yeah, I said, like some of it, you can't say he is injury prone, but you do have to understand that th- he is probably further behind in his development than where he should be. And that's where I get the, the Carter take is that, if he had been able to develop at a normal, normal ish rate from his freshman year, then I think he really could be there. He could be consistently that player you see in his highlights. Now with Kansi, I think if you're, if you're thinking about Kalijah Kansi, the other player I think you have to consider is Ade Adeboware out of Northwestern. Emphasis on the Western. (laughs) As a
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like, uh, Tamwa, Adabare, if you want to call him double A battery. I think I've heard people refer to I like him. That. And in terms of Bressi and Kansi, I would go Kansi in that situation. And I understand all of the um, quote unquote negatives I brought up before. I just think that's just a part of his evaluation that you need to definitely at least discuss. But the role that he would provide is, is safe enough for me to be like, hey, let's get him to third and six and have Kansi, Dexter. Aziz and Kayvon Thibodeau just go ham, but I can also understand Bressy because of the prognostication of what he could be. But to the point of Adebarwe, look, this is somebody who was the only player basically on Northwestern's defense that anybody was focusing on, other than maybe Cameron Mitchell. But he played on edge. I think he, you can kick him inside interior defensive line. He was 282 pounds. He's only six foot one, but he has long 33 and 7 8 inch arms. So you're talking about like a 34 inch arm length. Over 81 inch wingspan with 10 and a half inch hands and a 155-10 yard split, right a 449 at 282 at the combine, Chris. That is so impressive. I mean, we were all talking about Cancy's combine, rightfully so, but the only reason I feel like Abarre didn't get that same type of hype was because he tested with the edges, but he's like the same exact size, only longer. And he ran a 4 4 freaking nine at the combine, better than what Kalaja Kansi did. So, like, you're talking about a freak athlete who does have some lower body bend, he's not stiff, he's explosive. And I think you can make a realistic argument to say that. This guy's best football is well ahead of him. And I've heard just people rave about his character and rave about him as a person, which I know is going to appeal to Joe Shane. It's going to appeal to a lot of general managers and coaching staff. So if you want to add just a versatile front seven player who has a ton of upside at pick 25, Adabare could be a dark horse type of selection that I would not be shocked by.
0: Yeah, exactly the same. And it's kind of. Mystifying, amazing to me that he isn't getting first round buzz at this point. I I think he usually falls somewhere in like the forty to fifty range on most big boards. But you look at him, and if if Kalijah Kansy is getting Aaron Donald comps, I think a lot of that is helmet scouting because Adibuare yeah. he is the same size, basically down to like a fraction of an inch and a pound. He's longer than either one of those two players. He's faster, he's more explosive. and he's got, like you said, he's got some bend to him in his, his agility. He, he had a 426 short shuttle and a 713 three cone, both of which are in the 98th percentile for defensive tackles. So he is an absolutely freak athlete. And if he had te- if he had gotten to test as a defensive tackle, I think his would be the workout everybody was talking about right now in the same way that people are buzzing over what Nolan Smith did with the edge group.
1: Dude, he had two plays against Ohio State, and if you watched his his three games that were right in a row, Maryland, Iowa, and Ohio State, that was week 8, 9, and week 10 of the season, you just see him dominate man like his ability to slant inside and just put offensive guards on skates like the brian Boytano. it was freaking excellent against ohio state man he had this he had this play i think it was in the second quarter where he just he was in a i think it was a a two eye shade so in the inside shoulder of the guard and he just took one hard step outside and then he just keeps because he has that low leverage man And and there's like there's definitely merit to being a shorter pass rusher with long arms like Aziz Ojolari. And I see that same stuff with double a battery, but he exploded into the outside portions of this guard's Shoulder and just pushed him right back into CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud had to evade and get the hell out of the pocket because he was about to get crushed. He has the ability to convert speed to power. He has power. And when I first watched this tape, I didn't see those three games. I think I saw clips a little bit from Maryland, but then I sat down and I got the entirety of his tape, and I was like, "Holy crap, man! This guy really has some juice and really has some pop on contact." I think there's a lot of room to build this player, and I think you can use him in a variety of different ways. I get the, un- I understand that you can possibly consider him a tweener? Is he an edge? Is he an interior defensive lineman? I don't think that necessarily matters too much with Wink Martindale as your defensive coordinator in a positionless defense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I almost feel like Adeboare is one of those players where it, it, the NFL is almost trying to keep him a secret. You know, like he, He's one of those guys where people talk about, like, like, hey, have you watched this guy yet? It's like, yeah, he's really good. <laughs> I know, right? Don't say it too loud. <laughs> yeah. and I, know
1: I, what you're, I really yeah. do. That.
0: I say, I really do feel like his best football is ahead of him.
1: Now I know exactly what you're saying. And I like the fact that you brought it up like that. He'll be that guy that is going to get selected earlier than a lot of the average draft fans believe probably. And they'll be like, Oh crap, him really? But I I, I could see that happening. Let's move on to another big body. Is he an edge? Is he an interior defensive lineman? We don't have to spend too much time on him. I think he'll fall to day two because of his age and the fact that he really only has one year of playing football at the Power Five conference, which was Georgia Tech in 2022, because he hurt his ankle playing basketball before the 2021 season. And That is Keon White. What was your overall impression of Keon White? I know the Giants had him in for a top 30 visit. So, how are you feeling about him? And would you be shocked if he was a pick at 25?
0: I think I would be a, at least a little bit surprised if he was. I, I don't know about shocked, but I think I would. I would definitely say he would be a surprising pick. I think he might be one of these guys who who is maybe a little bit of a better fit as a four down lineman at like a just like a classic Giants defensive end. When you think about, you know, JPP or Justin Tuck, Strahan, those those types of guys like he moves better than you would expect from a player. You know, it's what six, four, six, five, about 270 pounds. He, he probably lost a little bit of weight for the for the combine, but I, I would say he's relatively a comfortable 270 but yeah I'm not quite sure if he could play edge in the way that the Giants like to use Aziz and Kayvon Thibodeau now given their issues defending the run and you know being really stout on the edge maybe getting a bigger player like that is something they could look at but the way they use their tight fronts and then with their Edges and you know, occasionally dropping Thibodeau back into coverage to muddy the waters for blitzes, things like that. I, I tend to look at the the slightly smaller edge defenders for the Giants just to, to give them the contrast between the interior defensive line and the edge.
1: I think it would be a a Jihad Ward replacement. I think you can also say Adabare, which you could do so many different things with. But he would be, hey, look, Jihad Ward, like bless you, but. Adibare in terms of his athletic ability and his pass rushing ability is such an upgrade over that player. I don't know if he's as physical, but I think he could possibly get there. So that's the idea of a Keon White and an Adibare. They can possibly execute that boundary outside linebacker role while kicking inside in certain situations. But I'm right there with you. I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if I would love it though. Actually, I, I wouldn't love that selection. I don't think. I think that would be one that I'd be like, uh, you know, a six-year senior. I get a Six foot four, two hundred eighty-five pounds, thirty-four-inch arms, which you love, but it, He's going to be 25 next January. Like he's an older player. He was born in the 90s. You know, when I'm starting to say, and this makes me feel old, Chris. I'm starting to see these players born in the 90s. I'm like, oh yeah, man, getting up there in age a little bit, which is absolutely wild to Cause I was born in the 90s. But that's neither here nor there. Let's transition a little bit, Chris, to to a smaller defender, somebody who is a much different body type than the Keon Whites and the raise, but one who I don't know if it would be a surprise first round pick. I'm not even talking about the giants just in general, but a player who probably can flatten better than anybody in this draft class. And that is Will McDonald out of Iowa state. He doesn't have the stats to back that up, but he was playing in a three, three, five defense where he was aligned as a four technique. The majority of the time, you're not going to get a lot of high side sacks with that type of role, but man, you want to talk about somebody who is explosive, somebody who's bendy, somebody who had a great week at the Reese senior bowl. And if you turn on his Kansas state and his Baylor tape, you could see him just harassing the quarterback. That is Will McDonald. How do you feel about him?
0: Yeah, McDonald. He is a guy. He he tends to slip off my radar just a little bit being an Iowa State player, but then whenever you go back to his tape or you go back to your notes, like okay, th- this guy, this guy's got some juice. He's got upside. Like he's another player. with he's got natural leverage at six foot four, and he's a little bit undersized at two thirty nine, but he also has thirty five inch arms and an eleven foot broad jump. So he's got length, he's got bend, he's got explosiveness. And I could definitely see him catching Wink Martindale's eye as a 1C pass rusher, as a guy you could use to spell Aziz Ogilari, and then bring on in, in like a four aces package or something like that on, you know, third and forever and just send All the guys after, yeah, send Thibodeau, Aziz, McDonald, uh, Lawrence, and whoever else they want to send on a blitz, and just make an opposing quarterback's life absolutely miserable. So I I can absolutely see McDonald at twenty-five from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I just don't know the Giants would go in that that direction, but because they have so many other needs and. Will McDonald kind of lacks the necessary physicality, similar to like an Aziz Ojalari, but you want explosiveness. You want flexibility at the position. You want somebody who can win high side, flatten, and then just bend through contact. There's not a lot of guys in the draft class who could do that. And Will McDonald is one of them. But Chris, I want to move on before we go to the ads, which pays the bills and talk about a few players here who I'll name four, and then you could just pick one of them and just go. All right. I think these guys are outside, outside shots that the Giants would draft in the first round. I think most of them will fall past 25, and the Giants will forego selecting them. But they could be outside chance players for them. Drew Sanders, the Arkansas linebacker. Jack Campbell, the Iowa linebacker. Trenton Simpson, the Clemson linebacker. And then Mozzie Smith, the interior defensive lineman from Michigan. So pick one of those guys, and then we'll go from there.
0: Uh, I'm kind of... Uh, that's actually a really interesting group of players because they're all very, very different. Like you've got Mozzie Smith, who's getting some uh, either high second round or even first round buzz that he is a true nose tackle out there. He is you topped Bruce Feldman's freaks list because of how ridiculously powerful he is. I mean, when, when the university of Michigan has to order custom built equipment for their strength and conditioning, because you are too strong for the stuff they do, already have you are a powerful dude
1: Chris let me ask you something real quick so if Dave Gettleman was the Giants general manager and they were still picking at 25 would Mozzie Smith be the selection
0: um yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) Gettleman loves him some defensive tackles man
1: (laughs) he does but you're right man just like an a very strong player when you watch that defense you saw him in, to, in the center, bro. And I and I get it, man. People look at the TCU tape and like Steve Avila controlled them, And Steve Avila is a very good interior offensive lineman in this draft class. But you watch a lot of Mozzie Smith's tape, you see him making plays, you see him with some pass rushing upside, some ability to crash into the pocket. He's not just a 330-pound two-down defender. He actually has some power rush moves that were pretty impressive as well. So I uh that's a name I wanted to bring up because we talk about Bressy and Kansi. but I still think Mozzie Smith is also is also somebody that, you know, outside chance, not somebody that I think the Giants will go in uh, that direction. They have a nose. They have a one with with Dex, you know, but definitely a, a very good player in his own right who might realistically go in round one. But what about Drew Sanders, Jack Campbell, and Trenton Simpson? If you had to pick one of those three linebackers, and I think they would each play a different role in this defense, which is interesting, which one do you would you pick for Wink Martindale's defense at 25 if the Giants were to go in that direction?
0: I mean, could, could we get all three? That'd be nice. Have Drew Sanders <laughs> as, nice. as the Sam, have Jack Campbell as the Mike, and put Simpson at Will. I mean, that, there we go. We have rebuilt this, the, the second level of the Giants' defense. You're welcome. As if we're limiting to you know, reality where we could could only have one of these guys. I think I would look at Drew Sanders just because the Giants already have Bobby O'Karake and Sanders has that. Background as an edge rusher from alabama so he's got experience in a relative uh, a not dissimilar style of defense from what wink martindale calls and he could fill multiple roles in this positionless defense where you could have him as a an off-ball linebacker if you know just Speaking traditionally, first and second down, and then third down, you could move him up as a a stand-up rusher, as that Sam linebacker, maybe even play him as a true edge and not have a reason to take him off the field.
1: I'm right there with you. Drew Sanders would be my first pick of this group, even though I have Jack Campbell ranked higher. I think he's a better overall player. But if the Giants had to select one of these guys, I think I'm going to go with Drew Sanders with Bobby Okereke on the roster now because Drew Sanders offers that ability to rush the passer, which is so invaluable in this defense by Wink Martindale, obviously. So I would go Drew Sanders. Trenton Simpson, that's a sub package linebacker, a will if you if you will. (laughs) And then Jack Campbell is your mic. So I like you kind of laid all of that out. Chris, before we get to the ads again. There's three players who I don't believe will fall, but anything can happen in the NFL draft. And I want to uh, just kind of put their names out there because I think they would be considered if they were available at pick 25 Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. I don't believe he'll get out of the top 15 because of just the way we hear about him. I, I, I I understand the upside to him. I don't think he can bend or win high side, and he doesn't really have any pass rushing moves right now, but holy crap, is he explosive and powerful. Miles Murphy, who I also believe is very, very explosive when he is told to rush high side with his length, it can be dangerous. I didn't think his film really jumped out and grabbed me, if I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, but I also believe that the way he was used at Clemson, he wasn't really told all the time to pin his ears back and and really get after the quarterback as much as maybe – he could in other defenses, which he would be able to showcase what he can actually provide an NFL team. And then Nolan Smith, who I absolutely love, spent this year injured with a pec injury. I think he suffered against Florida, but very explosive, can win through, can bend through contact well at the top of the pass rushing arc. Very physical against the run, despite the fact that he's like 238 pounds. Lucas Van Ness is like 275. Miles Murphy is like 270. So totally different body types. If you had to pick one of these guys to fall to 25, which one would it be?
0: Um. Uh, none of the above none of the, none of them are going to fall uh I really enjoyed all three guys tape I think Lucas Vanessa is the most intriguing to me and he he might be the most likely to fall because he doesn't have any starts like that that's something I just kept coming back to is like you know when you put on the tape like you said he is explosive he is powerful he earned the nickname Hercules like he plays like a 350 pound dude in a 270 pound body. He is incredibly powerful. That's all he has, but damn, does he do it well? But then you have to ask like, why didn't he start? You know, why was he just a part-time player? Like, yes, but I think that's, A question teams are going to have to answer but i also don't think that's going to knock him down like you said out of the top 15 uh if you want another hot take honestly i like lucas Van S better than tyree wilson
1: (laughs) okay yeah so that i don't know how scorching hot that is i I mean it's scorching it's, (laughs) it's scorching hot for for how other people are viewing these two players but um the The fact that he's a redshirt sophomore and he's so young and he's built the way he is, I can understand why you're why you're saying that. Based on the tape I've watched, I haven't done an evaluation on Tyree Wilson because there's no shot the Giants were going to select him. <laughs> but I've seen his tape and I I understand the hype, but he's similar to Lucas Van Ness, right? Like they're the same type of archetype in terms of just even front defensive ends that the New York Giants would have been interested in 15 years ago. Those types, right? Not the Nolan Smiths or the Will McDonalds or the Kayvon Thibodeaux or the Aziz Ojolaris, for instance. But one thing about Lucas Van Ness, one reason why he did not start is because he was at Iowa. Like if he was at another program, they would have started him. But Iowa is kind of weird and they really (laughs) value their players who are juniors and seniors and he was an underclassman as a red shirt sophomore. So they were like, you're not going to start any of these games. It was also weird though. Then I think this might actually come into effect. Like, why didn't you play on this third and six? Like you didn't see him out there. on like really high levered situations. And I'm just like, bro, like this isn't Georgia. This is Iowa. Like what the hell is yeah. going on here? So that I do believe will, um, toss some questions, but I, I see him going in the top 15, but you know what, man, spend a lot of time on the front seven. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll get into the cornerbacks. All righty, Chris, let's get into these cornerbacks. We are going to remove Deontay Banks and Joey Porter Jr. from this discussion because I don't believe they're going to be there at 25. And if they are, the Giants should make that selection. Done. Conversation over. Now, let's move on to some of these other corners. I want to start with Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Emmanuel Forbes, look, he's 166 pounds. He reportedly put on a couple... Pounds and now he's up to like the 170s. I understand the hesitation there and run support and guarding really physical wide receivers like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I I, I do get it. But when you turn on his tape, Chris, he's just good. He's a good cornerback. He is a coverage cornerback. He isn't bitched like some of the other corners in this draft class, despite his size, despite his frame. And if you want a corner who has great ball skills, who can play man coverage, who has active eyes and zone, who does a good job anticipating route breaks, I think Emmanuel Forbes is your guy and at pick 25, I get it. It's not, at least it wasn't popular like a month ago. Now I feel like people are starting to come around to it. I'm not going to hate that selection, man.
0: No, me neither. And like he is, he's got those instincts. He plays the ball at the catch point, like a wide receiver. And the giants don't really have anyone like that. Like, yeah there a lot of turnovers is luck being in the right place at the right time and having the ball bounce your way but there's also an element of just having the skill set to put yourself at the right place in the right time and Emmanuel Forbes has that and then once he gets the ball in his hands dude is dangerous like you do not get six pick sixes you know, two seasons with three interceptions returned for a touchdown by accident. Like that is not a coincidence. You know, getting one or two, sure, I could, I could believe that that was just you know lucky. Uh, cornerback managed to snag a tip drill at you know the ten yard line and returned it for a touchdown. But six of them, <laughs> that that isn't luck. That is a skill, and it's a skill the Giants lack. And yes, Emmanuel Forbes is size and weight is a concern but i would say one thing kind of working in his favor at the nfl level is that he can't get overly physical with receivers or he's going to get called for defensive pass interference and there are very few dbs in this draft who can move like forbes does who have legitimately oily hips who have you know just absolutely lightning quick feet who can get in a hit pocket, stay there, and just stay in phase throughout the entire route. Damn near run the route for the receiver. And Forbes can do all that. Now, you you just have to reconcile yourself with the fact that he's going to be smaller than pretty much anyone except for Devonta Smith.
1: <laughs> exactly. And he would be the perfect guy to cover Devonta Smith. Uh, I'd rather him cover Devonta Smith and then A.J. Brown against, I guess, a Dory Jackson. But that's a... Uh... Issue that we'll have to kind of explore. I, I did not see, though, Emmanuel Forbes' size and his and his thin nature get exploited like I did with, say, a DJ Turner from Michigan, who I really like. I mean, the guy ran, like, what, a 4-2-6 or something? Like, he absolutely lightning quick, so light on his feet, excellent for man coverage. I can understand the appeal of DJ Turner in round two. It's a little bit undersized. But I watched the Rutgers game, dude, and I'm seeing these wide receivers just like, Absolutely, body him up in the red zone. He surrendered two consecutive catches, one being a touchdown against a somewhat bigger Rutgers receiver who will probably never sniff the NFL or at least be like a day three pick. You know, so like I, I'm a little bit concerned about, say, a DJ Turner in terms of his size, more so than maybe even Emmanuel Forbes, because I believe it came up a little bit more on tape. Did, did you see that at all, or am I misguided?
0: No, I think that is kind of an issue with DJ Turner. I think he he tries to be very physical at the catch point, but he's just not very good at it (laughs) is the, is the kind of sense that I got from watching him, like his speed, his athleticism, athleticism, his agility, all that is very, very impressive. And like you, I would not hate the pick. I wouldn't hate it if he became a giant, but you, I I think he would need to work with the coaches to really get better at the catch point, maybe be um, a little more judicious about how he approaches the catch point.
1: Yeah. And again, I I like the aggressiveness as well with Turner. And I think that's more of a a day two guy, like a pick 57 if the Giants go defensive line or wide receiver at 25, which they may. So I I think DJ Turner, he played outside for Michigan. I think they're going to probably kick him inside and he would be an upgrade over what the Giants have at the slot right now with Darnay Holmes. So that's just another name to consider. I want to talk about Kansas State's Julius Brands. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Chris, look, this guy has an 82 and 5 eighth inch wingspan. I believe that's more than Broderick Jones, the Georgia <laughs> offensive tackle. That is significantly more than Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive lineman, whatever you want to call him. That's more than Joey Porter Jr. who has an 80 and 7 eighth inch wingspan they have the same arm length at 34 inches those two and i know joey porter jr ran a 446 but his 10 yard split was 152 where julius brents was 150 with brents running a 453 there's a part of me that, and i and i have spoken at big blue view i've been in the comments with people at big blue view speaking on julius brents my concern about brents's vertical ability right I think Quentin Johnson exposed him a little bit in that final game against TCU, but there is a part of me, Chris, that's like, are we overthinking Julius Brent's considering him, you know, late or mid to late day two? Like, like I see him on a lot of consensus boards, like this guy ran a sub seven, three cone. You don't see that from many players. Let alone players who are six foot three, 198 pounds, who have high hips like that. His three comb was a 6'6 six, six, three, Chris. That is an absolute and utter anomaly. And I know he had a weird kind of path in college. He started at Iowa. Iowa, again, it's kind of a weird school when it comes to just allocating snaps to talented players. So he transfers to Kansas State and he's honorable mention all Big 12, first team all Big Twelve, and people did not want to throw the football towards him. So there is this, there is this part of me, man, that's like. Are we overthinking this player? I know there are some warts, but holy crap, dude, this guy has a lot of upside if he hits. And if Jerome Henderson can really hone in on his press technique, I think you can get a, I, I don't think the speed issues are as glaring, really, to to uh, to make him an ineffective player at the next level if he can execute the correct technique. And also, he's a high processing player from what I've seen. So what is your overall opinions on Julius Brantz, bro?
0: Yeah, I I do think people are overthinking it a little bit. Part of the problem might be that we just came from a draft with Sauce Gardner and Tyreek Woolen, and people look at Brents and then look at those two guys, and you either have the raw speed that Woolen has or just the absolute freakish hip mobility that Sauce has, and Brents does come up a little bit lacking compared to those two in those two regards. Yeah, I... I noticed some hip hip tightness with Brent's, but again, he's a super high cut dude. You're going to have some hip tightness there. Yeah. I, I noticed that when he was trying to stay in phase with a, with a receiver and the receiver was breaking sharply. Yeah. He had to physically turn. He couldn't really open up his hips and carry his speed with him, which I think is where some of the speed concerns come from with him, because when he can open up his stride, He can keep up with a lot of receivers, but he's got experience in man. He's got experience in zone. He's got experience with pattern matching. He does have some ball hawk to him in his game. He's good at the catch point. He can knock the ball away. He can come down with interceptions. Considering the interest the Giants showed in Sauce Gardner last year, I really would not be at all surprised if Julius Brents is on their radar for 25th.
1: Yeah, 25, like that's the one thing. It's like, is it too early? I'm not really sure right now, if I'm gonna be honest with you. It's just that's that's kind of like the dilemma or the conundrum in my in my head. It's like, am I overthinking this? Is he quick enough? I'll even ask. And I'm like, I think he is, right? Like, I think he does have the speed, and I get like he struggled with Quentin Johnson. And I think you really articulated it well, Chris. I really do. Like when he opens up a stride, it's fast. It's just sometimes when he's in those quarter turns, he'll lose body positioning and then if you're going up against really fast receivers, they can blow past him and he doesn't have the recovery speed to to uh, really get back into the hit pocket. And that's something that could be exploited at the next level, especially when you run a lot of cover zero. So that's some of my concerns about him. But holy crap, is this guy just a phenomenal athlete for his size? And I think that's something that could really be used here. I think he could be like the Jimmy Smith of Wink Martindale's defense.
0: Yeah, And if you can put, if you can work on his tech, uh, his press technique with those long arms and he does have that super explosive lower body, I mean, yeah, what? Uh, a 40 inch vertical and like uh, yeah, a 41 inch vertical and an 116 broad jump with Silly. that one five, with that one five se- second 10 yard split, like he's got strength, he's got power. If you can really hone that press technique, then the, being able to disrupt early on in that route, I think would cover up some of the warts with him being able to turn at speed.
1: Like I like Joey Porter Jr. better. I do. But I don't know yes. if there is a if the difference is as glaring as, as others are making it out to be because Joey Porter Jr. has some warts too. I mean, the guy's incredibly grabby and I know he wasn't targeted that much last season other than the Purdue game where he faced like 16 targets or I think it was like 14 targets or something crazy, but he had like five PBUs and then no one ever threw to his direction again, basically the entire season. I think he only had like 16 targets for like the rest of the year, which is a wild statistic. Then I think he's probably, I don't even know if I want to say he's a better overall athlete because I don't think, I don't even know if that's accurate. I just think he does a better job maybe carrying vertical routes, right? Because like, Brent's is longer in terms of his wingspan. They have the same arm length and Brent's actually did the three cone and the short shuttle and freaking knocked it out of the park where Joey Porter Jr. Purposefully did not do him because he more than likely wasn't going to test all that well with those drills.
0: Yeah. And I think that definitely is worth keeping in mind. Like Brents 40 time. Like he, he is just not a guy who's built to run the 40. Like I think, he is best at 10 yards and then at 60 yards when he can really open up his stride but everything else he did was incredibly impressive and I think having those two corners and I'm gonna Emmanuel Forbes and Julius Brent and I'm also gonna throw Cam Smith out of South Carolina in that group as well as guys who I think could or maybe even should be in consideration at 25 like you've got about as broad a selection of body types and skill sets as possible and if one of those guys is drafted i think we could learn a lot about what wink martindale wants to do and what he is really looking for in a defender because that's one thing we got out of joe shane very recently is that yeah it's taken him a little while to kind of get on the same page with wink martindale
1: And I'm glad you brought up Cam Smith's name. He was in on a top 30 visit with the Giants, and that doesn't necessarily mean the Giants are going to select him. They were probably vetting him to see how he was as a person just to get him to know him a little bit better. And uh, I heard, I think, Tony Pauline maybe, and I don't want to assign the wrong name, so sorry if I'm mistaken there, say something about how teams were a little concerned about about Smith, like maturity and stuff. And I don't like throwing that kind of stuff out there. I just heard it on a podcast, but maybe that's one of the reasons why the Giants had him in for a top 30 visit. I can't necessarily speak on it. I'm just repeating what I heard, but in terms of his skill set, yes, he was wildly grabby, right? Like 10 penalties. I think most of them were pass interference. I feel like a lot of the times he didn't even need to grab. He was in solid position. I don't think his feet are all that great and I don't love his press technique. But I think he's a versatile player that you can align in the slot like he did against Tennessee, against Jalen Hyatt, and he did a pretty damn good job against Jalen Hyatt, but then surrendered a touchdown against Cedric Tillman. But I liked his film, I would say, a solid amount, other than the fact that he grabs way too often. And I just wish he was a better tackler, too. Like He's just throwing his body out there like a glorified speed bump. But I, I, <laughs> I, I thought he was like, if the Giants were to trade down into the early parts of day two, I would I would be okay with that depending on all the issues that I can't necessarily opine on.
0: Yeah, like we can't, we can't really comment one way or the other on things like character maturity, you know, things like that where we we don't know. We haven't we haven't talked to the young man. We don't know any of the issues involved. Rumors are sometimes just that. They're just rumors. Sometimes there's some substance to them we've also seen that develop before uh but you know right here we don't know with camp smith i I, like i I like his general skill set i like the the raw materials there are to work with i think part of the grabbiness is again some technique issues because you know south carolina they're they've kind of fallen on hard times a little bit as a program like especially since steve spurrier left and i also think that camp smith kind of like Steph Gilmore and JC Horn is just trying to be super aggressive out there. And he just kind of maybe hasn't figured out how to do that legally yet. Because a lot of the best corners, they grab and cheat like it's like crazy out there. But they're just really good at making sure the officials don't see it.
1: And now we're going to move on to Keely Ringo out of Georgia. He's a 20-year-old out of the famous Segura High School out here in Scottsdale, same high school that produced Byron Murphy and Christian Kirk. Ironically enough, both drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. So, Ringo, you are going to stay in the Valley. No, but this is one of the, I would say, more highly regarded cornerbacks going into last season. He was the starting cornerback on a national championship team coming out of 2021. And he was a starting quarterback on a cornerback on a national championship team this past year in 2022. 19 PBUs, four interceptions. But when you turn on his tape, Chris, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Holy crap, there are just a lot of errors in coverage. it's, It's frustrating watching him guard a curl route or a comeback route or a quick slant. I just feel like there's some sort of hitch in his ability to just redirect and redistribute his body weight. Moving forward in a click and close type of fashion his combine kind of left a lot to be desired other than the 40 and the 10 yard split, which was a four, three, six and a one, four, nine at six foot one, 207 pounds. That was at the combine. And then somehow at the pro day, he grew like almost an inch and he was six <laughs> and 209 pounds. But regardless of the fact, he is very, very explosive on the vertical plane but I don't really love his immediate explosiveness when he has to turn his hips and flip his hips and kind of use agility to to come down on a receiver, to close down on a route. I felt like that was exploited, but with this type of size, with his age, I could see the Giants buying into his skill set.
0: Yeah, I, I think his development is going to be very interesting, and I think it comes down to whether or not you can get him to be fluid in transition. Like if you can get him to be able to sink his, sink his hips, stay low in his back pedal. I I think he's a good enough athlete that he can, that he could click and close, but I'm not sure if he, if his hips really allow him to, or if he really just needs to gather himself with that T-step and, you know, basically have a, inefficient transition his speed his athleticism his explosiveness linearly linearly pardon me yeah all that is incredibly impressive like if you want somebody who can just run with a receiver down the field and be big enough to match up with just about anybody uh keely is one of the one of your best picks in this entire draft class for that but it's just everything else a corner has to do that kind of gives you pause Yeah, he's he's kind of like a big lump of clay right now. And I I could understand the Giants drafting him. I could also understand them passing on him because yeah, you you don't know if you're going to be able to iron out those wrinkles.
1: One more player I want to go over before we get out of here is Brian Branch, bro, out of Alabama. And I gotta be honest with you, if he's there at twenty five, I am completely fine. Actually, I'm excited if the Giants take him, because he is an upgrade over Julian Love, and I think he could be the glue to this defense. You could argue that Love was the glue to last year's defense with the injuries to Dory Jackson, with the injuries to Xavier McKinney. And Branch, he's a nickel. He's a slot. He's played safety. He has elite coverage skills and elite eyes. But the thing that is just fascinating about him, and you could throw Quan Martin into this, the Illinois safety nickel, is he's just an elite tackler. The guy like rarely has a missed tackle. I think one of his missed tackles this year that came up on tape was actually ironically against a quarterback on like a quarterback draw. He like flew into the tackle point, and just got juked out of his shoes. And I was like, what the guy had like a historically low missed tackle rate, Brian branch. And I just think he is like one of those like foundational players that you add him to your team. It doesn't matter where you play him. He's going to be successful. And I think I pick 25. I'm, I'm bought into that, man. I would be fine with that selection. What are your thoughts on branch?
0: Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how to classify him. Like you said, I I personally have him down as basically a, a slot nickel defender where it's like you could play him in the slot some, you can play him at free safety, you can play him at strong safety, you can play him kind of all over your back seven. And like you said, he could be like a Julian Love and potentially be an upgrade over Love. Yeah, I I thought he struggled some in man coverage on Keyshawn Boutte at in in the LSU game.
1: Yeah, I would oh, say was- um, not to cut you off, but I would say yeah, that was the one game that I was like, why is he so far off Boutte? Because Boutte just kept basically running slants and curls and the timing between the LSU quarterback, Daniels, I believe his name is, I think he used to be an Arizona State cor- uh, quarterback and Boutte was just so in sync that Branch couldn't get himself back in a position, but that did stick out to me as well.
0: Yeah, and you know maybe you don't want branch in tight man coverage on nfl slot receivers but or at least not all that often but in shallow zones you could move him back to a free safety you could start him out in a deep half and go with a coverage rotation buzz him down maybe like a robber coverage you could use him as a blitzer you could you you could play him in the box as a box safety in run defense for a cover one or a cover three look like there are so many things you could do with him and depending on how the first 24 picks of the draft go I'm right there with you I would not mind Brian Branch at all on the Giants and I yeah safety isn't generally considered a premium position and you have to be a really good safety like Earl Thomas level good to be drafted in the first round but I think with Branch his versatility his ability to play to wear so many different hats for your defense. I think that makes up for the fact that he isn't a pure corner.
1: I'm right there with you, man. I I'm, I'd be excited if the giants found a way to add him. And I, and I think, look, those were some struggles against LSU. I think we do get nitpicky sometimes because like, that was the one like tape that I was like, Oh man, he's off coverage a lot and he's not getting to the catch point, but sometimes that happens too. You know, sometimes the offense wins, but I think he's a very valuable player, but Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here?
0: uh no um just maybe to tease next week the official big blue view big board is coming we didn't forget <laughs> and we will be going over that and i believe our next podcast and then after that it's it, it's draft week
1: it's draft week baby and i cannot wait so thank you everyone for tuning in to the chris and nick show here on the big blue view radio please if you like this content like subscribe comment that's Excellent for us. And also head on over to bigblueview.com where we have all of our written content about the beloved, our beloved New York football giants. Thank you, everyone. Take care of each other. Have a lovely day.